الحمد لله وكفى وسلاما على عباده الذين اصطفى ما بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ومن يوق شح نفسه فاولئك هم المفلحون سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلاما على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم so the next principle from uh, the text is bukhl al hubbul mal al bukhl al hubbul mal which uh, translates roughly as stinginess and the love for wealth um, so this is now the fourth uh, section that we're covering so now ghazali begins as he does with the other sections um, or typically he'll introduce an ayah of the quran or two ayahs of the quran and this of course is the the habit of the uh, of the scholars because um, for two reasons. Number one, there is no greater source of knowledge and wisdom than the Quran. So you have we demonstrate that, or it is demonstrated by introducing any talk, any uh, book, any text, anything with the words of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. The second benefit is that it adds barakah to whatever is going to come afterwards. So for those two reasons, uh, and there's others. So he says, know that stinginess is amongst th- is among the great destructive traits. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَمَنْ يُقَ شُحَّ نَفْسِهِ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ That whoever is protected from the stinginess of his self, these are the successful ones. And he'll go into the definition of stinginess, but it's a big word, but basically it references uh, holding on or having uh, or, or hoarding on to one's wealth or feeling uncomfortable with spending, with, with giving away or spending wealth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says, وَلَا يَحْسَبَنَّ الَّذِينَ يَبْخَلُونَ بِمَا آتَاهُمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ هُوَ خَيْرًا لَهُمْ بَلْ هُوَ شَرٌ لَهُمْ سَيُطَوَّقُونَ مَا بَخِلُوا بِهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Those who are stingy, they hold back with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them from His bounty, should not think that it is good for them, rather it is bad for them. So the first thing we learn is that بِمَا آتَاهُمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ that uh, whatever we get in this world in terms of our sustenance or in terms of our uh, uh, in terms of our provisions uh, these are given to us by Allah and then Allah Ta'ala says that know that if you hold on to it um, it's it's not good for you it's not good for you rather it is bad for you this is how Allah Ta'ala is emphasizing it you know it would have been sufficient for Allah Ta'ala to say it's not good for you and then we would we would accept it I mean this is Allah's word um, but when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then not only that, but he takes it to the opposite extreme and he explains that no, not only is it not good for you, but this is actually harmful for you, then it emphasizes the reality behind this. On the day of judgment, on the day of resurrection, they will be closed in with what they were stingy with. We know that in the day of judgment, we need space. In the grave, we need space. Um, but Allah ta'ala says that we will be closed in with whatever we were stingy with. And that would that would be very uncomfortable. He subhanahu wa ta'ala also said, Those who are stingy and order people to be stingy. And he, ex- and he goes over that with them. So the Prophet said, and now he goes over the hadith of the Prophet. The Prophet said, Beware of stinginess. Beware of stinginess. For indeed it destroyed those who were before you. He said, Liberality is a tree that grows in paradise. And no one except the liberally generous person will get into paradise. Stinginess is a tree that grows in hell, and no one enters hell except the stingy person. So giving generously, or giving in general, is a um, is a feature of Jannah. It is a feature of Jannah. Jannah is where Jannah will give us everything that we desire, 
and that's why it's a feature of Jannah. Okay, the foundation of stinginess is love of wealth. The basis of stinginess is love of wealth. Know that the foundation of stinginess is hubbul mal, which is love of wealth, which is blameworthy. The stinginess of someone who has no wealth does not appear through withholding, rather it appears through the love of wealth. Okay, so the first part. Know that the foundation of stinginess is the love of wealth, hubbul mal. It isn't wealth in and of itself. And having wealth or possessing wealth in and of itself is not problematic. It is uh, having love for that wealth, having a, a sense of attachment to that wealth. That's what's problematic. The stinginess of someone who has no wealth does not appear through withholding. Rather, it appears through the love of wealth. So this, in particular, so just because a person doesn't hasn't been given wealth, let's say that someone um, is has minimal wealth, or let's say that they've they've never actually acquired money. They're still studying. They're still in college. They're still in high school. You know, they're still in graduate school, and they don't actually have a source of income. Well, then this, it doesn't mean that that person cannot be stingy because they're not able to give. That doesn't pr uh, exclude them or make them exempt from having this, this quality. And he sa So he says, um, the way you can identify it in this group of people is that, uh, is that they have love of wealth. Rather, it appears through their love of wealth. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's a few ways to identify this. You know, many, many a times if you don't have wealth, all you're doing is dreaming about your your first job. When I get my first job, then I'm going to purchase this and I'm going to purchase that and I'm going to have this much in my account and I'm going to uh, you know, have this size home and I'm going to have this kind of a car. We just dream about this day and night, day and night, day and night. Well, that's a sign. Uh, that, that's, that's a sign as well that your concern is, is, is hubbul man, is love of wealth. Um, similarly, uh, if we are pursuing uh, our career purely for the sake of acquiring wealth, that's a problem as well. Uh, because again, the purpose is not to acquire wealth. It's to recognize that Allah, I need to do this because I need a source of income to provide in a way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be pleased with me. Not so that I can hoard onto money and, and live in the luxuries of this world. So if my dream is constantly about that, or my desire is constantly about that, and that's what's actually driving me in my school and in my, in my, in my path toward my career, then, then that's problematic as well. Um, and the third way by which people that don't have wealth seek to or are stingy uh, or demonstrate you know hubbul mal is their obsession with people that have wealth you know sometimes we follow the lives and the you know the lives of people that have been given wealth you know there's television shows dedicated to uh, to to taking a walk through of some celebrity's home and people are infatuated with this you know i, I, I don't even know if it was I think cribs was one of them i don't know if it's still around so basically, you spend 45 minutes or a half an hour, and you're literally just looking at someone else's dunya. That's that's what you're doing. And then you do it, and then you do it, and you watch one, the next celebrity, the next celebrity, the next celebrity. You're obsessed with it, and you wish that you could have that as well. And that's a sign as well that there's there's hubbul mal. I mean, uh, we, we don't need to look at someone else's wealth and dream and wish and desire that we have that as well. Or look at you know someone else's car and dream and wish and desire that we have. Uh, you know, their eight cars with for their you know ten car garage. Um, so that's that's how it uh, you can identify. So we're not someone who doesn't have an income is not exempt from from having this trait. Okay, and a, perhaps a man uh, is generous yet loves wealth. Hence, he gives liberally so that he rem is remembered for generosity. This is also blameworthy. So just because a person is is actually is not stingy in the sense that they're regularly giving. They're regularly spending on other people, or they're regularly um, d 
distributing their wealth across the community. They're, if they're doing so because they want to be remembered for their generosity, so that again the, a plaque can be written, you know, with their name on it, and it can be posted somewhere, or they have some fund or endowment in their name, or uh, because uh, they they want it, they they want they want the rest of the community, or they want the rest of the world to know uh, that they've given. Well, then this is this is also this still under this still falls under the umbrella. They're not exempt from this. Um, the love of wealth, hubul mal, distracts from the remembrance of Allah and it turns the heart's direction to the material world, thus, thus strengthening a person's relationship with it until death, through which he will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which will become hard on him. Um, okay. um, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that don't let your wealth, this is in the Quran, don't let your wealth or your uh, children distract you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's remembrance. We've been sent into this world for the obedience of Allah and for the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we can't, we shouldn't let anything distract us from that. The purpose of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala giving us wealth is so that we can remember him through that wealth. We should recognize that this is from Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us children so that we can re recognize that he's the one who creates and this is a blessing that he's given us and this is our responsibility. But we don't make these things a distraction that takes us away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala also says, fitna, That your wealth and your children are a trial, are a trial for you. In the sense, they're a test for you. If you're going to abuse them or if you're going to mishandle them or if you're going to um, misunderstand you know, the nature of where it's come from, well, then you fail that test. Okay, um, so then he, uh, so then he talks about the Prophet. The Prophet said, "Do not take a, a villa, a home, and then love the world because of it. Do not take a home and thus love the world," which is warning us against this passion in life that we have to that we have to have a home per se, right? This world in general is our home, and if you if you look uh, if you look at the way people's lives are a person never feels you know settled until they have their own home but the issue with that is that if you busy yourself and make a make it a goal in your life that you're going to have your own house like your own house that you own or your own property well it takes a good 30 to 35 years of trying to reach that place so for the first 30 to 35 years if you are neglecting your duties to Allah and neglecting your duties to the masjid and neglecting your duties towards people etc and you're completely focused on acquiring wealth so that you could ultimately settle into that dream home of yours well you've wasted the first 30 to 35 years of your life and then what you spend the next 10 years you know renovating it remodeling it making it perfect for you 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 know the you get, the lawn has to be perfect the 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 landscape has to be perfect the basement has to be finished you spend all this time decorating your home so that you lose another 10 to 15 years by the time you can actually enjoy that home that you were wishing to settle into, you're now, you know, you only have 15 years, 60, 20 years of your life left. So all that time was spent as a distraction from Allah. Now, if a person, you know, a per that doesn't preclude a person from actually, you know, having or owning a home. It just means that a person cannot be that invested in it, that it distracts them from the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. Um, okay, so he subhanahu wa ta'ala said, when the slave dies, the angels say, what did he put forward? The people say, what did he leave behind? The, when a person dies, 
the angels ask, well, what did he actually put forward for his akhirah? From his wealth, what did he actually put forward? How much did he spend in sadaqah? What did he establish? Did he build a masjid? Did, you know, did he contribute to some cause? And now that's a reoccurring, reoccurring uh, like a sadaqah jariah for him. Um, but the people are all asking, well, how much did he leave behind? How much inheritance did he have? How many cars? What was his home like? It's the, it's the complete opposite, right? I mean, uh, so our, we should try to uh, embody an, uh, angelic characteristics because they're really the ones who worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the time. Okay, then the next thing. The reality of wealth and respect of blame and praise. Know that wealth is not blameworthy from every aspect. Know that bl wealth is not blameworthy from every aspect. I think sometimes, especially younger people that are, you know, really for the first time experiencing deen or become attached to deen, they uh, they have this notion that wealth is a complete distraction from Allah and that it should that it is just dunya and it's the complete opposite of deen and I have no interest whatsoever in it and I want to have nothing to do with it. It is uh, what is the cause of problems for me and for the ummah. But uh, the Imam Ghazali is clearly saying that note that wealth is not blameworthy from every aspect. It's not inherently wrong, bad. Allah's Messenger said, How excellent is the useful wealth of a righteous man. So um, he also said, The world is a field for cultivating the afterlife. If a person acquires wealth and they spend that wealth for some righteous cause, they distribute it, they become the distributors of wealth, then, uh, then this is a benefit to them. And similarly, the Prophet was saying, uh, the world is a field for cultivating the afterlife. So what happens when you distribute wealth in different causes or in a particular cause, then you're basically planting your wealth in different projects across the world, in, in, in different causes across the world, in different masajid or different schools or different charitable organizations. And then those are basically growing for you. And anyone that benefits from your wealth, all of that benefit is going into your account. It's, it's, it's as if physically you're planting trees all throughout the world. And what happened those you're basically cultivating an entire garden for yourself. Well, this currency or this, this garden is actually uh, uh, what's going to um, cultivate your afterlife. This is not a, a, literally a physical garden. Okay, how could it be absolutely blameworthy, meaning wealth, when the slave is a traveler to Allah? The world is one stop along his journey, and his body is his vehicle, without which it is impossible for him to travel. It cannot survive without food and clothing, and there is no way for that to them except through wealth. Meaning that, there, that in addition to that, in addition to being generous with wealth and cultivating your afterlife, the, the, the body has its needs as well. So you cannot completely abandon wealth and stop. Because of that, you no longer are able to purchase food, no longer are able to purchase a place to live. You're no longer able to purchase shelter, clothing, etc. Uh, ultimately, this body Allah Ta'ala has given us, and we have to preserve it, right? So we have to spend a little bit on ourselves for that purpose. Um, however, anyone who understands the benefit of wealth, knowing, knowing that it is a tool for feeding the beast of burden in order to traverse the path, never turns his attention toward it, nor does he take from it anything besides the amount that he needs for the journey. Um, So, uh, this world is a journey, and we use from our wealth what we need from our wealth. Otherwise, if we overuse it, then we're basically uh, adding weight to our own shoulders, and it will be, will be, uh, uh, and it'll be very difficult to traverse this world. Maybe not physically, but certainly spiritually. And the example is that if you, um, I, I, I don't think he covers it here. Um, 
But basically, if you are overburdening yourself with your wealth, um, then you're going to be weighted down. You know, it's kind of like if you're, if you're, and you only need to take with you or you only need to use what is necessary. So, for instance, if you're driving from, you know, here to Chicago, for instance, you're going to fill up your tank of gas and then you're going to go. And then when it's, when it's reaching empty, you're going to fill it up and you're going to go. You're never going to, in your trunk, load up, you know, an extra 50 gallons of gas. You, you take what you need and then you move on. If you load up your car with double the amount of gas that it needs, you're going to be weighted down. The journey is going to become much more difficult. Okay. Um... Right, so he says here, likewise is the traveler. If he takes more than what he needs for the road, he will die under its weight and never reach the destination of his travel. Our destination is the akhirah. Our destination is Jannah. Um, so we don't want to over. We don't want to have this weight on ourselves. Um, adding to the sufficient amount is a destructive thing from three perspectives. One of them is that it calls to acts of disobedience and puts one in a position to commit them, whereas it is from divine protection that one is unable to commit a sin. The trial of ease is greater than trial of hardship, and having patience when one is, when one is able is much more difficult. Um, the second is that it calls to indulging in permissible things. So having love for wealth, it calls for indulging in permissible things, at the least. Then a person's body grows out of indulgence so that he is incapable of forbearing without it. So when you... In, when you, in, when you uh, when we indulge in the dunya or in the wealth of this world, then we think that we cannot live without that wealth. And the best example is actually this Ramadan, right? And the way we, we've basically cut off most of our bodily needs. We think that we need to eat four meals a day or five meals a day, or we think that we need to eat you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day. But look, now we're consuming meals for like a four or five hour window in the middle of the night essentially and the rest of the time we're not eating at all and we're per 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 perfectly able to survive right so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala designs these sorts of periods where he basically forces us and says listen you have to stop yourself from indulging in, in this world You're, you've been spending 11 months indulging in this world try it see what happens when you remove some of these things and see what happens just go ahead and see what happens. So what happens? Now we're at the end of Ramadan and no one's having an issue with hunger. And who, who feels, I mean, for the most part, we don't feel hungry. For the most part, we feel very comfortable. We're okay knowing that we have to eat at 9.20. What happens otherwise throughout the rest of the year? You know, we, uh, we were talking about this yesterday, but, uh, you know, 12.20 hits and we become concerned that we're 20 minutes late for lunch. We, 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 we panic. We think we're going we're gonna to pass out or we're going <laughs> to collapse or what are we going to do without our, without our lunch? But... For the most part, we're just indulging. That's what we're doing. And so, um, Imam Ghazali is saying that we, we, we think that we become incapable of forbearing without it. Um, similarly, when a person gives wealth in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, a person holds on to it, holds on to it, holds on to it, thinking that what am I going to do? What are my children going to do? What is, you know, what's going to happen if I don't have enough in my, uh, if I don't have a bank balance? What if I don't have this? What if I don't have that? What if I don't have a rainy day fund, etc.? Well, then... Um, what happens? A person who then gives wealth because they're forced to for zakat or for sadaqah, they're encouraged to give wealth, they never ever regret it. They will never regret giving their wealth. Okay, the third is that it distracts from the remembrance of Allah, which is the basis of happiness in the afterlife, for it crowds the heart uh, with basically planning for how to increase your wealth. When a person then uh, j jumps on this path of acquiring wealth, then they think about 
they think then 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 the sky is the limit. You think about how much wealth you can acquire. You start counting every uh, you know you initially start counting every penny. Then you start counting every bank that you have that every uh, bank in which you have an accountant. And then you think about where you should invest. And then you compare: should I invest in property? Should I invest in the stock market? Should I invest in uh, in 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 this in this local business, etc.? Y- your mind becomes completely overwhelmed with this, so much so that it distracts from the remembrance of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Uh, all of this is from amongst those things that blacken the heart, remove its clarity, and distract it from the remembrance. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Al-Haku Muttakathur, the mutual seeking of gain has distracted you. Okay, then Imam Ghazali goes into the next section. He actually goes into detail about what the sufficient amount of wealth is that we should keep. Because it isn't that we could just live off of $5 in our pocket and then never plan for tomorrow or the day after, etc. He goes over it in detail, but it's um, uh, the... The quantities are a little outdated, like dinars and rital and things like that. So I'm, I'm going to bypass this section, but we'll try to cover the principles, inshallah, at the end. Okay, wealth is like medicine. What we have mentioned, any questions so far? Sorry, I should, cu- I should pause for questions. But. Okay. Um, wealth, what we have mentioned is an approximation. Increasing or decreasing it is, uh, is possible. Um, Meaning the the num- the amount that you should keep in your account, you can. It's an approximation. Increasing or decreasing is possible according to the endeavor of some people in, in certain situations. Um, however, you should believe absolutely that wealth is like medicine. A specific dosage of it is what benefits. Overdosing it kills, and getting close to an overdose will cause one to be ill through it, though it does not kill. So be careful and take only a little, and avoid overdosing on luxury, for it is certainly a great danger. I think that's self-explanatory. Okay. Um, okay, so then we're kind of coming toward the conclusion here. Um, so he goes now into a little bit more of the definition of stinginess. To verify, wealth was created for a benefit and is possessed for that sake. So there's a purpose behind why we've been given wealth. And this has been clearly outlined in the Quran. It's been clearly outlined in the example of the Prophet So he said there's also benefit in spending it. Whenever this benefit of spending appears to be greater than the benefit of holding, whenever the benefit of spending appears to be greater than the benefit of holding, yet it is difficult for a person to spend, then he is a stingy person who loves wealth. So, for instance, an opportunity comes to donate. You know, there every night there's an opportunity to donate here. If the well, there's clearly benefit in donating, and even depending on your circumstance, it may be you know a few dollars, it may be a hundred dollars, it may be a lot more, depending on your individual circumstance. But there's clearly benefit in this circumstance of giving. The Prophet said that a, a person's he swore that a person's wealth will never decrease by giving in the path of Allah. So clearly, in this situation, when someone's asking for funds, there's clearly no uh, there's clearly benefit in this. But if but if it is difficult for a person to spend in that circumstance, then he is a stingy person who loves wealth. So despite knowing that our wealth will not decrease, and despite there being an opportunity for our wealth to increase by giving it, if in that circumstance it is difficult for us to spend, then that is a sign of our stinginess. Therefore, it should be directed to the strongest of benefits. Preservation. Uh, sorry, Wealth should not be loved for itself, but rather for its benefit. Look, there are people who earn a lot of money, and they have a lot of money, but they love to spend their money. Their purpose of acquiring wealth is so that they can spend it. That's the purpose of them acquiring wealth, so they can spend it on others, or they can spend it in some righteous cause. Um, 
you know, the Prophet Sallallahu when he wanted to, he loved spending so much on others that if he didn't have wealth, he would actually take a loan and then give that money to someone else. He would take a loan for that purpose. You know, so there are people who work and they work night and day because they are, they desire to support some righteous cause. There's no problem with that. In fact, it's, that's a good sign. Um, benef- preservation of public respectability is better and stronger than indulging in much eating, for example. So when you're acquiring wealth because you care about the, the welfare of society, well, there's nothing wrong with that. You, if, if that's your cause and that's your purpose, it's far better than just getting wealth for the sake of indulging in yourself. Okay. And then the last thing, the treatment of stinginess. Perhaps you would like to understand the treatment of stinginess. Know that it's, uh, actually before I, I get to this, the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala designed wealth, number one, we know that he's given it to us, right? Uh, spend from what we have given. So number one, we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us wealth. And the more a person spends their wealth, the more Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give back. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like uh, we, we're using the water, right? Uh, when we make wudu, right? When you turn the faucet on, uh, water pours out, but what's happening? You're not running out of water. It's coming from some other greater source, which is from the city, and that water is always being continuously replenished. Now, if you turn the water off and you never use it for wudu, for instance, well, then it's just sitting there. You're not going to get more of it. You, the city is never going to give you more water. There's no water that's actually flowing through the system. But when you turn the tap on and water begins to flow because you're using it, then you're, it's replenished from the from the from the water source of the city. Same thing with wealth. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is a source of wealth. If we hoard onto wealth and we don't spend it and we just hold on to it, then that's what it's going to sit there. It's not going to grow. It's not going to continue to come. It'll go to some other person who's you know who's using their wealth. It'll the the pipeline will be channeled in a different direction. We want that pipeline to continue to come toward us, and that's and that's why we spend. So the treatment of stinginess. Perhaps you would like to understand the treatment of stinginess. Know that it is a remedy mixture. Compo- uh, know that it is a know that its remedy is a mixture composed of two things. What are they? No, 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 no. This is the principle of all the remedies, right? He's ha- he always has two things: knowledge, knowledge, knowledge and practice. practice. Knowledge and practice. So you're, this is going to be a theme. Know that it's and I just uh, the. Uh, in Arabic, it's, it's, I mean, it's just the way he, he words it, right? Know that its remedy is a mixture of knowledge and practice. Uh, and amal. As for knowledge, it is that you know the destruction in store for the stingy person in the afterlife. We talked about this in the beginning of the session, uh, how, it dist- how it is a source of destruction for us. Um, it is also for you to know that wealth, assuming that it remains, does not follow you to your grave must know that wealth will not follow you to your grave. Whatever wealth you acquire, if you don't spend it in this world, then it's gone. It doesn't matter if you cash, even it doesn't matter if you pass away and then someone cashes out your account and they take $2 million of cash and they stick it inside your coffin and put you into the ground. That wealth has, that's not yours. Not only is it not yours, you aren't even, you can't even uh, use it. You can't even take your hand up and lift it to pick it up and look at it, right? Because you're now in your grave. So you can't take it with you. Whatever you spend, that's it. After that, that wealth is no longer yours. It could have been a source for you to earn your hereafter. Instead, it's now become uh, now somebody else is going to take it, and then they're going to ben- they're now going to use it to benefit themselves. Wealth is only for Allah. Because we're still in the knowledge part. Wealth is only for Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. He enables one to possess it in order to use it for important matters. It is also for you to know that being spoken well of and receiving a reward in the afterlife is more delightful than withholding wealth for the sake of indulging in desire. So these are, this is sort of a summary principle. We've gone over this. 
Merely fulfilling desires is the nature of dumb beasts, while the former is the nature of rational people. Animalistic desires, this is part and parcel of every human being. And uh, merely fulfilling those desires by spending only on ourselves and hoarding onto our wealth and always checking our bank balance and opening the app on our phone and seeing how much money do we have today and how much money do we have, you know, every single day we check it, we look at it, we appreciate it, we feel comfortable with it, it makes gives us a sense of elevation. All we're doing is we're feeding our we're feeding our nafs. Um, whereas people of people that are rational who recognize the value of wealth and where it comes from and where it should be spent, uh, this they spend. Um, as for practice, it is that a person forces himself to spend and does not cease to do so until it becomes a habit for him. Okay, as for practice, it is that a person forces himself to spend and does not cease to do so until it becomes a habit for him. So sometimes it's difficult to spend, especially maybe when we don't monitor, in terms of numbers, we don't have that much. So just a, a couple of things that I would highlight and we'll, we'll wrap up inshallah. You know, sometimes it's tough, that's the first point. So you, you, you do seek whichever opportunity you can to spend. You know, for instance, um, it doesn't have to be necessarily that you're spending towards some charity. It could be towards some other benefit, so towards some other purpose, spending on other people. You know, you're with a group of friends and you're at, you know, you go out to eat or you're, uh, we talked about not going out to eat, but let's say you're, you order and <laughs> um, you take the tab. You know, it might be difficult, but I, I promise you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will replenish that wealth very quickly. And I've never, I've never, anyone who's ever spent on other people, they, they've never regretted it. They've never regretted it. It's never that, oh, man, I just lost $100. And, you know, like a, three months later, you don't even remember. You don't even remember that you did that act, right? But what? who remembers it? Kiraman Katibin. The angels have written it down. They've showed it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And on the day of judgment, you will be reminded of it. I will be reminded of it. Oh, you spent that money. I did spend that money. I didn't realize it. I thought, you know, if I spent that much, I should have I should have felt uh, I should have felt it later, right? I lost $100. I lost, you know, $50. You don't even remember it. You don't even feel it. And this also applies to sadaqah. Whenever you give sadaqah, no one ever regrets it. You never remember. Even if you were to give, let's say, half of your bank balance to some righteous cause, you know, two years later or six months later, you don't even remember that you gave that wealth. You, it, you, it doesn't even phase you that it, that it happened. The reason you're not bothered by it is because it's, Allah Ta'ala has already replenished it. You've forgotten that you've given it away. Allah Ta'ala has already replenished it. You're just functioning normally as if you never gave anything. What happens? Uh, then... Uh, on the day of judgment, it shows up, and you're like, "Wow, I didn't. This is I. I did that. Subhanallah, I didn't know I did that." Um, so uh, sometimes it's tough, but tr but tr you try to take that step. Um, my uh, uh, my teacher says uh, uh, that uh, when somebody gives, so he, he was he was once saying that um, the people that give uh, in large quantities, you know, for some righteous cause, uh, they're the people that always give in large quantities. And he's like, he said once, he's like, the people that give 100000 uh, they're the same people that give $100,000 the next time there's an opportunity. I mean, if Allah Ta'ala gives them that much wealth, he's like, they, it's always the same people. Why? He said, because they've tasted what it feels like to give that much. They've tasted the benefits of it in the sense of, you know, spiritually they felt it's uplifting. And they know that if they give it, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa is going to give it right back to them. And probably they're going to get even more in their account. He's like, it's the same people. They've already tasted it once. It's the same person that's giving that, that, that large amount again and again. Okay, the second point to remember about this is that uh, 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 to combat stinginess is that anytime there's ever an opportunity to give to some cause, you should give something. 
something. Whether, you know, so in Ramadan, it's always the case when we come to the masjid, someone is asking us for money. We should always give something, even if it's very uh, a nominal amount, even if it's like, you know, a dollar or a quarter, something, or if it's $10, whatever it might be, never hold back from giving to someone when they're asking. Always give something, especially if it's like a, a verified charity or, or masjid or something like that, right? You know, you're not, you don't have any question about it. And then the third thing that's very, very important that can help you help us all combat the stinginess issue and also help us help protect us from calamities and difficulties is that every single day we should give some amount of sadaqah. Every single day we should give something in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every single day. And um, there's many benefits to this. And maybe we'll have a talk on this about the benefits of giving your wealth for some righteous cause. But um, a person who begins this habit when they have um, when they don't have an income or they have very little wealth coming in, they will maintain this habit when when they're when when they have wealth coming in. You know, the the trick of shaitan is to tell us that you know what, when you have a sustained income, when you have a good source of income, then at that point, you know, then I'm going to give to the masjid, then I'm going to give to the needy, then I'm going to give to the poor, etc., etc. That's a complete deception. If you don't give when you have little, you won't give when you have a lot. So give, it doesn't, now the proportion, uh, the proportion might be the same. The quantity might be much less, but there should be some proportion of your wealth going toward the path of Allah. So y there's many ways to do this. You can, for instance, every week or every, you know, every week you can send over money through your bank balance or whatever it might be, or you have something recurring. Um, the easiest way, I think, is to actually have like a physical uh, jar or a box or somewhere where you're every single day putting in cash or putting in coins and you're giving your wealth to, uh, toward Allah or to some, some cause, some charity, whatever it might be, that you're giving wealth. Now, you might say, well, I don't actually, you know, carry wealth. I don't actually, sorry, I don't actually have, like, I don't keep cash on me. I run by plastic only. Um, uh, well, then you can buy a swiper at home if you want. Um, or you just withdraw some cash, you know, withdraw, you know, $5 bills or $10 bills or singles or quarters, and then every day just put it into a jar and then give that, give that away at the end of the month or every three, four months, give it away. But then you're protecting yourself, hopefully, inshallah, from this quality of stinginess because, I mean, you can use a lot with that dollar. It can go a long way. The $5, yeah, you can. You might have to give up something, right? You're sacrificing. So that, and then also it's going to protect you uh, from the difficulties of this world as well and protect your families as well. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, protect us uh, from, from, from stinginess. 